the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 1280, The Patriot is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Two California deputies are shot multiple times and critically wounded as they sat in their patrol car in what officials say was an ambush by a lone gunman. It happened Saturday evening in Compton. Surveillance video shows the shooter ID'd by one of the deputies as a man walk up to the car and open fire. Sheriff Alex Villanueva says his deputies were ambushed in a cowardly fashion. This is just a sober reminder that this is a, uh, it's a dangerous job and, uh, you know, Actions, words have consequences, and our job does not get any easier because people don't like law enforcement. Villanueva says one deputy is a 31-year-old mother of a 6-year-old, the other a 24-year-old male. Both sworn into the force 14 months ago, both underwent surgery. I'm Julie Walker. This is SRN News. This week in the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Disney films where Muslims are imprisoned in China. This is the same company that refuses to film in certain states in America because of their pro-life policy. Join us for our program and sign up for our podcast at townhallreview.com. Every Saturday evening at 7 and Sunday nights at 11, here on AM 1280, The Patriot. The Patriot's September Regnery Book of the Month is Obsession, Inside the Democrats' War on Trump by Byron York. And you have a chance to win a signed copy of the book. All you have to do is click on the fan club page at am1280thepatriot.com. Just past 2 o'clock on this Sunday afternoon here in the Twin Cities. Let's take a look at your forecast from the Homestead Road Weather Center. Gradual clearing today will reach a high of 73. And we got Hour 2, Brad Carlson of the Narn, starting right now here on The Patriot. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of the broadcast, we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Feel free to do so at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, feel free to do so as well. Just do a uh, search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network at Facebook.com. And give us a like if you haven't done so already. 
And uh, we appreciate all of you who are happy to be listening live, including uh, Maggie Ann, who actually sent us a tweet. Uh, says to me, uh, I'm listening to you now say we need to counter speech with more speech. How is that possible when conservatives are banned for disagreeing with Barack Obama on climate change or speaking Kyle's name? Who's Kyle? I don't know. I'm not sure who Kyle is. Uh, haven't you been paying attention? Well, I have been paying attention, and uh, I don't know where you're getting that we're getting banned for disagreeing with Barack Obama. Uh, I'm not sure where that's coming from either, but point is, is that I freely express my dissent on social media platforms. Now, I will concede that there has been selective enforcement of uh, banning certain accounts on Twitter and Facebook uh, due to violating terms of service, which seem to be pretty arbitrary. I'll concede that much. But there is been plenty of opportunity. And I think so, you know, as much as I find some of the things what President Trump says objectionable on his Twitter feed, uh, he is getting out there and, you know, punching back at those who are typically the ones that get treated with kid gloves. Okay, and again, I don't like some of the things he says, but he is at least hitting back. But I don't, I also, at the other end of it, he's also made comments like, uh, well, NBC doesn't seem to be uh, covering things fairly. Maybe we should kind of look at their broadcast license, which isn't under the purview of the uh, uh, executive branch of the federal government. But I uh, appreciate the comment, though, Maggie, and I really do. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not understanding where you're saying that we're banned from talking about climate change. People are who speak out against climate change, not because they so much oppose it, but say that re- leftists' attacking of climate change means completely eradicating capitalism. And I see a lot of conservative outlets speaking in that vein, and they get a lot of pushback on it, but you need to keep speaking out on it because the temptation is when you get hit back like that and get just overwhelmed and bombarded with negative retorts on your opinion, the the temptation is to you know kind of cower and not say anything. But, yeah, we're definitely in a culture war, and you have to keep speaking out, and I'll definitely stand by that. But I appreciate some folks are listening live. I really do. I thank you so much. Uh I guess we're going to move on to some uh, local issues uh, here in the Twin Cities, particularly the state of uh, perhaps the entire state of Minnesota. Obviously, there has been a big move lately from the city council of Minneapolis to defund the police. And what I have said from day one, there was that was just an emotional reaction to the George Floyd incident. Now, citizens, particularly black citizens who have felt oppressed by police, some even brutalized by police, were righteously angry when they saw what happened to George Floyd. I don't think there was anyone who found it acceptable what Officer Chauvin was doing to detain George Floyd. Now, as we saw from the body cam footage, we saw a larger context of everything that was going on, particularly George Floyd saying he couldn't breathe from the millisecond he was put in handcuffs and tried to be put in the back of a police cruiser, where had he stayed in the back of the police cruiser, I think we're safe to say he wouldn't have died. Again, doesn't excuse what Officer Chauvin did. But my point is, is that very soon after that, there were calls to defund the police. We need to get rid of the police and have some sort of different ways of uh, public of addressing public safety. 
And again, this is from the uh, Star Tribune. The, Minnesota, the Minneapolis City Council's resolve to end the city's police department has lost momentum. The result of the failure to get the question before voters in November and council members diverging ideas on the role of sworn officers in the future. In the three months since nine council members pledged to end the department following George Floyd's killing, the city has experienced a surge in violent crime, another night of unrest and blowbacks from residents who felt they had been left out of the initial conversations about change. Some council members have remained consistent in their statements about policing, while others have softened their rhetoric, saying now that they do envision officers as part of any revamping of public safety. Well, again, this is the danger of letting your emotions, of trying to govern with your emotions. And this is why you shouldn't so quickly ridicule thoughts and prayers in the aftermath of a mass shooting. Because when it comes to addressing serious incidents through legislative fiat, you have to make the best possible decisions that will be beneficial to everyone going forward and reacting with emotion, i.e. getting rid of all police, well, you could make a case that's going to exacerbate the problem. So their city council is finding out that it is easier said than done as far as actually defunding the police. And we're seeing this with what's happening with the 5th Precinct in downtown or in uh, in Minneapolis. 5th Precinct in Minneapolis talks about how they have just eight officers cover an area from just south of downtown Minneapolis to Richfield and from St. Louis Park to the edge of Powderhorn. Eight officers is all they have. That's not sustainable. So when they say, okay, defunding the police, easier said than done, okay, maybe we ought to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Well, if you think about it, a lot of the divisive rhetoric and inflammatory rhetoric that has been levied toward the Minneapolis Police Department has unwittingly resulted in cutbacks of the police and, in a sense, defunding the police. Uh, As our uh, friend of the broadcast, Howard Root, uh, put out on Twitter, you know, the movement to defund police hasn't lost momentum. The city council's just switched tactics to disband the police by hiring freeze, early retirements, and disability. And from Howard's analysis, he said the M, the Minneapolis Police Department is less than 600 active officers, which is down 25% from the start of 2020. And now there's no patrolling and 911 response is greater than an hour. And again, as we as the uh, Uptown uh, there's a Uptown Crime Facebook page that talks specifically about the 5th Precinct, about how they don't have enough active officers to patrol its given area. So even though the city council is saying, well, okay, maybe we ought to pump the brakes on, on defunding police, well, it's kind of happening through attrition because these officers that are moving on, taking early retirement or resigning or going to another line of work or the hiring freezes that they're putting into place, that's already having an impact. That's already money you're not spending on police from those who are moving on. And you're seeing how that's not sustainable. And another question, a friend of mine and I were talking about this the other night, you know, the city charter has in place 
a formula for saying for X thousand population within a given precinct, this formula indicates that you have to have Y number of officers within that area. Well, it's very clear that the 5th Precinct does not have the criteria, the minimum criteria of officers to meet that uh, formula that is imbued in the city charter. So the question I have, and the question a lot of people probably have, is who's responsible for enforcing that the standards of the city charter, the statutes laid out in the city charter, are met? Who's responsible for that? Because right now, it's very clear by some of the scenery that's taken place. I I still remember a couple weeks after the George Floyd incident where police officer morale was probably at an all-time low and you saw drag races taking place in this part of Minneapolis in in the uptown area. There were drag races in the middle of the street. It looked like, I've said it before, it kind of looked like Mad Max, kind of like a post-apocalyptic world. It was surreal. This this was the stuff you saw in these dark movies. And it's happening in real life, in real time. So I, I've said it before, and I've but it bears repeating here. <clears throat> the city of Minneapolis, in my opinion, it definitely deserves better unless residents choose to reelect Mayor Jacob Fry and all members of the current city council next year when they're all up for, for election. Because if you continue putting in the same people, you know, every four years, you're going to get what you get. And you're already seeing a mass exodus out of Minneapolis. I mean, uh, the uh, Zillow listings uh, of, of people selling their homes in in, uh, in Minneapolis, it was off the charts. It was an increase, I think, about 25 to 30 percent. Of all the Zillow listings of homes being sold in Minneapolis, 25 to 30 percent of them occurred like within a week or two after all of the unrest and riots and looting right in Minneapolis. And then they were still continuing the drumbeat of defunding the police. And even when Mayor Fry took a measured tone with a group of uh, of anti-police activists, wherever I think this was downtown, you know, they invited the mayor up to come and speak, and he said, you know, we need to do a, a severe overhaul, massive o- overhaul, and they basically told him get the bleep out of here because he wasn't he wasn't down with abolishing the police. And they said, "Go home, Jacob. Go home." You know the big chant, and then of course the infamous scene where Jacob Fry in his face mask, walking with his head hung in shame, walking literally all by himself down the sidewalk to go home after he didn't acquiesce to this group's call to completely get rid of the police force. So when even the mayor. A far-left progressive mayor is striking a measured tone, and that isn't good enough. Um, That's some real trouble there. So, again, this is something that is going to impact the city. And a lot of these police officer representations have been big supporters of Democrats come election year. Well, that is slowly changing. I'm not saying that they're going to go out and support Republicans, but they definitely aren't supporting Democrats in some of these key races coming up. What am I talking about? Well, we'll get into that story a little bit when we come back. And take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson and the Clothes are coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service also allows me to be there for my community in ways others can't. I help my hometown recover after nature strikes. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country and those I care about safe from threats. I also work with a network of professionals that help me succeed. Also, the Army National Guard's education benefits make getting a higher education a reality. Being an Army National Guard soldier makes living and serving in my community more rewarding every day. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. This is a national health care alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. Toll free at this number. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pair of diabetic socks as our special gift to you. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and have insurance, you may qualify to get free delivery of your supplies. 800-439-7409. 800-439-7409-800-439-7409. That's 800-439-7409. Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join. So visit am1280thepatriot.com today. Welcome back. AM1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show, that's hashtag NARN Show. we got a uh, event coming up this week. Uh, as you know, George Floyd's death sparked national outrage and propelled the country to confront issues of race and justice like few times before in our history. But between partisan politics and various types of protests that have dominated the news ever since, the question remains... Are we tackling the issue of race in America honestly? And are we correct to believe that one's skin color should play a larger role in our interactions than the content of one's character? These questions and more are here to stay and demand fair and truthful responses if we want to move forward. 
uh, move toward a better collective future. That's why we're bringing AM 1280 The Patriots' Larry Elder, which can be heard Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. on these very airwaves, together with author and commentator Candace Owens for a -a one-of-a-kind virtual event called Unbiased, Unvarnished Truth Behind Race in America. Now, you can stream Unbiased live this week, this Thursday, as a matter of fact, from 8 to 9 p.m. Central as Larry and Candace share personal stories and present a straightforward account about the real issues of race in this country. Don't miss this important discussion in a pivotal season in our nation. Again, go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on the banner that says Unbiased, and get your tickets today. Again, it's only a virtual event. We're going to do in-person events again one of these days. I'm confident of this, but for right now, we're still doing virtual events. So go click on the unbiased banner and get your tickets. Only eight bucks. Eight bucks to hear Larry Elder speak. And then obviously uh, Candace Owens as well. I know a lot of y'all are fans of, of Larry and Candace. You need to get your tickets today and uh, check that out. Uh, again, go to am1280thepatriot.com for more information. Uh, continuing our topic about the uh, city council, Minneapolis City Council. Finding out that uh, defunding the police, not as um, easy as one says it is, kind of uh, taking a different tactic, going to kind of the political end of this now. Uh, As you know, we talked about this story uh, when it happened a month ago. In fact, I was filling in for Mitch on a Saturday in August when we had Alpha News' uh, Kyle Hooten on, and I asked him, hey, Kyle, uh, What's what's uh, what's coming down the uh, what's coming down the road here? Any big news stories that you can tell us about? And he says, well, as a matter of fact, we have an associate going out to Hugo, Minnesota, to the home of the head of the police uh, federation union, uh, Bob Kroll. Apparently, some protesters were going to Bob Kroll's house to uh, protest him, and leading the protest was, of course, uh, John Thompson. He, the uh, candidate, DFL candidate for House in District 67A. And you've probably heard about this protest made national news where John Thompson and other Black Lives Matter advocates were in the street in Hugo uh, swearing at the, you know, spewing Effenheimers and basically saying, you think we're afraid to burn down Hugo, bleep that. And in full view of young people, of kids in this neighborhood, and they were also hanging in effigy, Bob Kroll himself and his wife, uh, WCCO-TV journalist Liz Collin, hanging them eff- effigy and then beating them like pinatas. Uh, and as a result, this put the DFL in uh, kind, of a, uh, kind of a sticky wicket here a little bit because this is a DFL-endorsed candidate, and no one called out John Thompson by name. I mean, Ken Martin put together a general statement saying he finds the uh, behavior unacceptable. Tim Walls just made a general statement saying, well, you know, this kind of rhetoric on both sides we don't need. We need to keep it peaceful. I know it's a highly contentious uh, time of year, but we, we need to be need to keep decorum about us. And Keith Ellison, I don't think, ever uh, said anything about it, to be perfectly honest. So my point in bringing all this up is because of the refusal of key DFL officials to call out John Thompson by name, and even condemn him, uh, this is kind of, um, I'm not going to say it puts the Minnesota House back in play, but a lot of these suburban races, which Republicans were wiped out in in 2018, could be back in play 
for 2020, and the Republicans could severely cut into the Democrats' majority in the Minnesota House. Uh, This is from the Star Tribune. Uh, Minnesota House Democrats indefinitely postponed a fundraiser featuring a dozen DFL candidates after an influential law enforcement group voiced concerns about including a St. Paul Democrat whose actions and statements at a protest in Hugo sparked backlash. You know, it's it's not the backlash itself. It's it's not it's not the events itself. It's it sparked backlash. Republicans pounce. That was kind of the initial tenet of one of the stories. Uh, but however, this has to do with the head of the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association. Uh, in a letter from that organization to House Speaker Melissa Hortman, they expressed deep frustration that John Thompson, an activist running for a St. Paul House seat was invited to participate in the fundraiser. This is violent and outrageous behavior, and not just rhetoric, specifically against a police officer and his family, Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association Executive Director Brian Peters wrote. Anyone, including candidates for office, that supports Thompson's candidacy uh, to the House cannot be considered a supporter of law enforcement. A powerful statewide uh, police group is uh, pulling its endorsements of several Democratic state legislators, marking the latest turn in a deepening political rift over a DFL-endorsed candidate's conduct at a rally outside Minneapolis Police Federation President Bob Kroll's home. The The Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association Board voted this week to back Republican challengers. Okay, so I thought they were just rescinding Endorsements of Democrats. No, they're going to actually back some Republicans. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, they're going to back Republican challengers to Democratic incumbents in at least two potentially competitive seats, according to social media posts from the GOP candidates. The association, which represents more than 10,000 law enforcement officer members across the state, previously expressed support for DFL candidates in both races. Uh, Peters confirmed late Thursday that his board reversed course on several DFL endorsements, including those publicized by the GOP, but to declined to share the full list for publication. He said members wanted to see Democrats deliver stronger condemnation of Thompson, who he said crossed a line by targeting Kroll's wife. The endorsements that we rescinded, my issue was those candidates did not stand up to their leadership and put pressure on and ask why we are supporting a candidate who did this in Hugo, he said. If this is the future of the Democratic Party, my organization is going to support elsewhere. So, wow, that's a that's a huge statement, no doubt about it. And my thing is, why are you willing to risk all of this for a DFL candidate running in St. Paul, you could easily say, look, we as DFLers don't support what John Thompson did. It was despicable. We agree with some of his frustrations toward, towards Bob Kroll, and we share some of them. But to act in such a manner uh, in a suburb around other people's homes where children is present, that's not acceptable. Full stop. Okay, John Thompson's still going to be the candidate in 67A. He's still probably going to win election in a walk. Okay, St. Paul, deeply blue district. So, to me, you risk nothing by coming out and condemning the guy. But what these DFLers fear is that they're they're going to be thrown on they're going to be thrown under the bus probably by Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter, you know, particularly the black vote, which is a key constituency for Democrats, 
uh, might not be as widely available to them. So they fear more than just the seat. They fear the backlash that might come from a key constituency. I mean, make no mistake about it, but the fact that the MPPOA is bringing their endorsements to Republicans? Wow, that's big time. We only have a couple minutes left. We'll try to get Judy's call in real quick here. Uh, Judy from Eden Prairie is on line one. Hey, Judy, we got about a minute or so. You're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is the first time I've done this. Thank you. Um, I guess in a real quick swing, I'm a conservative, and I think far too many people are treating this like an, just another election when they don't understand that whether or not a Democrat is in a position um, coming up isn't really the issue because they have to understand and accept that the Democratic Party is no longer exists. The Democratic Party, in my opinion, has been usurped by the Marxist, and there's so many levels that we don't have time to go into. And that's what I'm mostly concerned about, is that people aren't awake. They don't understand what's at stake here. Our democracy, we are fighting for our rights. Um, And this George Floyd situation, we said right away, my husband and I, uh, it's a horrible situation, but I, we believe it was manipulated, that it was possibly plotted out but went wrong, that he potentially wasn't meant to die, but it was definitely, in our opinion, meant to raise um, conflict and put human against human. And boy, that's look at what happened and look at what's ensued. And people keep saying this is about race. No, it isn't. It's about our democracy, and that's that's the best I can do in a short amount of time, for my opinion. But I, I just wanted to support what you're doing, and thank you for everything. Yeah, thanks, Judy. Uh, I, I we only got about thirty seconds, so I'm not sure how to react to those comments that this was uh, uh, somehow manipulated, and that you know George Floyd wasn't meant to die, but it was somehow manipulated in order to what you divide people. Ah. That seems to me kind of a stretch, but I appreciate your opinion. You, you're, you're welcome to it, but uh, I don't have really a lot of time to expand upon that. But I hope you do call back again. But I do agree with you. Uh, the Democrat Party has defti- definitely been co-opted by the far, 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 far left radicals of Bernie Sanders and Tide Pot of Ida, uh, No doubt about it. And they'll be pulling the puppet strings if Joe Biden's elected president. Back in a mere moments, AM 12 to the Pager, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. Is the United States of America part of God's great plan for the world? Now, a new documentary, Trump 2024, The World After Trump, takes a look at what the world could look like in 2024 with or without President Trump. Trump 2024 features interviews with Franklin Graham, Mike Huckabee, Dennis Prager, and Eric Metaxas. Watch Trump 2024, The World After Trump on SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com, Trump 2024. Stream it today at SalemNow.com. George Floyd's death sparked national outrage and propelled the country to confront issues of race and justice like few times before in our history. But between partisan politics and protests, the question remains, are we tackling the issue of race in America honestly? Tough questions like this are here to stay and demand fair and truthful responses if we want to move toward a better collective future. That's why we're bringing national media host Larry Elder together with author and commentator Candace Owens for a -a one-of-a-kind virtual event called Unbiased, Unvarnished Truth Behind Race in America. Stream Unbiased live on September 17th 
as Larry and Candace share personal stories and present a straightforward account of the real issues of race in this country. Don't miss this important discussion in a pivotal season in our nation. For details and tickets, visit am1280thepatriot.com. Unbiased is brought to you by Roof to Deck Decoration, the Christmas lighting people. I'm Mick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and for years this great station has been fighting to keep the Twin Cities right. As we head into 2020, I would ask that you help us continue the fight by supporting our local sponsors who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities. Now here's a word from our friend Dennis Prager. I I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. And helping fighters is as good and noble as fighting. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station. And that is just patronize their sponsors. Those sponsors, they are making us possible. No sponsors, we're talking to ourselves. By supporting the local businesses you hear on this station, you help support us as we continue to keep the Twin Cities right. How can you draw closer to God and increase your knowledge of His Word? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. By reading four chapters a day, you'll read the entire Bible in less than a year. Or pick a specific topic, such as the life of Christ or the New Testament. Choose among more than 20 free Bible reading plans from 45 to 100 days. BibleStudyTools.com lets you choose your favorite translation. Track your progress and grow your faith online at BibleStudyTools.com. Welcome back. AM 1280, The Patriot. The Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Here to take your calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag NARNShow with any comments or questions. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. I came across an interesting uh, political story from this past week. Uh, kind of featuring Tim Walls, the title of the article, Minnesota's Myth-Making Met Stark Reality. Where does uh, Governor Tim Walls go from here? And the subheadline says Governor Tim Walls talks about leading the state where George Floyd's killing set off a national reckoning on race and system uh, and systemic inequity. Uh, Interesting read, kind of a long read, where uh, the governor talks about uh, how his uh, his rhetoric, you know, for one Minnesota, even though people outstate, you know, uh, say second and third ring suburbs and even rural areas uh, don't feel part of that one Minnesota because while the Democrat Party has kind of been taken over by the Metrocrats and we need to look no further than how the Senate is gearing up because the Senate, they're two seats away from having a complete majority in state government. And if that happens, uh, it's going to be a lot worse than what we saw in 2013 and 2014 when Democrats controlled all of state government here in, uh, here in Minnesota, particularly the hostility toward gun rights. And obviously people in redder areas, you know, they favor gun rights, whereas the governor is completely flipped from his uh, days where he was kind of uh, considered a blue dog Democrat, where he at least supported gun rights 
when he was a member of Congress, when he represented the 1st Congressional District, and then by 2016 did a full flip on that when he was meeting with the Moms Demand Action uh, anti-gun group. But there was uh, interesting uh, aspects of this uh, piece. I want to just read a couple and then react to them. Uh, He was asked about, you know, has the one Minnesota theme that Tim Walls ran on in 2018 been revealed by the by uh, the George Floyd incident uh, to be an unattainable idea. And here's what uh, Governor Walls has to say. Uh, That is one where I think I was ahead of the uh, where the curve was going. I could feel this brewing. I'm a geographer, so I will forever curse the red blue map people made back in 2000. There is this idea that greater Minnesota is somehow different than the Twin Cities area, and my take was that we were obviously, both as a state and as a nation, stronger together. And so I knew that these tensions were there. I knew that we had to try to heal them, and I ran on the idea and think now more than ever it's apparent if we don't do that, we're going to get ripped apart. I'm not Pollyannish. There are differences. But this whole idea is that If the state isn't unified, we work against our own economic self-interest. The reason Minnesota's economy is so strong is we have a very vibrant Fortune 500 base centered here, which we have to protect. We have a medical device industry that's the envy of the world. We also are leading producers of pork and turkeys, and so those things benefit all of us. And so I think as far as an agenda piece of this, that unifying us together, moving us to an economy that continues to diversify. But one of the issues I really focused on was the educate this education piece. I'm a high school teacher, but I spent a lot of time with this. And the thing that was most troubling to me, and this is where the George Floyd stuff comes in, is the inequities that America has and the kind of systemic racisms. It's just here. It's just the absolute epitome. What that ends up causing is if you have a state that ranks first in educational attainment in public schools if you're white— Last, if you're not. Well, I, you know, my wife's an educator, and this is something we talked about many years ago, where uh, you go back to President Bush's uh, uh, educative uh, initiative, his his education bill that, uh, that no child left behind. That the one thing it did is it showed the achievement gap between white students and black students. But the problem is, is no one wants to talk about, you know, school choice, where the money follows you if you're, in, you're within the public school system and the money follows you, you know, to pay for your public education, that you can't take those dollars and go to a school that obviously more suits one's needs and takes education more seriously. And let's be honest, there have been some districts where – Either they don't have the the resources, uh, whether it's staff or what have you, to to pull that off. And I think this also had shown itself during this pandemic, is the fact that distance learning was more attainable for kids, you know, within the metro area that had the access to to Wi-Fi and whatnot. But what they were doing out state was was unconscionable. I think a bus was coming once a week to like deliver supplies to some of these to some of these homes in these rural areas i mean i mean that that, that just i mean that, that's not sustainable so uh there was a couple other interesting interesting uh, i God, i hate when my uh, page refreshes 
uh, when I'm trying to uh, look up something. So there was a particular uh, aspect of the story that I uh, took some uh, issue with. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Wall said the emergence of COVID-19, which some initially predicted would transcend partisan divisions, has created a more polarized environment with Republican legislators fearing that Walls would use the crisis to amass power or shut down too much of the economy. And as we know, this past weekend, for the sixth consecutive month, Governor Walls extended his peacetime emergency powers for another 30 days. He needs to call a special session and have the legislature vote on it. Republicans in the Senate, you know, the Republican majority in the Senate voted no. It was all it was along party lines. But in the House, the, Rep- the Democrats have a significant majority. So even though I think it was five Democrats that crossed over and voted no, it's still not nearly enough to take those away. Uh, here's uh, the governor's quote on this. Uh, now, now COVID has just driven the wedge in this, and and it's to me it's frustrating because I think there's legitimate budget discussions to this, but we're in this place right now that we couldn't get a budget done and we couldn't get our bonding bill done until I gave up what every other state governor has: the use of emergency powers to be able to procure PPE and those types of things. They laid down a gauntlet that said, unless you give these things up, we're not doing any of the rest of this. I, for one, have said you need to be very careful about the use of those emergency powers, but the president and all 50 states have determined that this pandemic is an emergency. So I keep asking, what would you like? And I think the reality of this is they simply don't believe that we should be doing anything around COVID. That is so woefully dishonest and disingenuous, I can't believe it. This is stunningly arrogant to me that, well, Republicans just don't want to do anything. Well, that that's not true. They want to be included in the discussions about how to handle this particular peacetime emergency. Because what the governor is doing is he's implementing a one-size-fits-all with some of his decisions, particularly the face mask mandate and closing down of some public establishments which is hurting people's livelihoods. Now, I've been on the side of saying the governor would never never deliberately tank the economy because as a big spending progressive, all right, you need that the tax revenue coming in via you know, state payroll taxes and obviously taxes that businesses emit. But if people are unemployed and businesses aren't operating, that's less you have to deal with. And you can't deficit spend like at the federal level so that's going to put a big hole in your budget when next year they start budgeting for the future biennium. But the point is, is that you have plenty of outstate legislators who say, look, the face mask mandate in our areas really isn't necessary because it's already conducive to social distancing. And what we know from the science and what prominent epidemiologists have said, face masks are a mitigating factor. They're not 100% preventative, but it is a mitigating factor if distancing isn't as conducive. But when we're in a rural area where you can stay well more than six feet apart, it really isn't that necessary. And certain businesses don't have a lot of people coming in at one time, but if you're shutting those completely down, okay, that can cause a problem. And making decisions based on no science whatsoever, where you can have all these people go into like some of these big box retail stores like Walmart or Target or grocery stores, but you're limiting churches to like a handful of people. I mean, like the like the St. Paul Cathedral, you you were initially limiting to like 50 people. 
50 people, goodness sakes, how many hundreds could you have in there and still stay, well, than more than six feet apart? So it was just the lack of consistency in these decisions. Republicans didn't want to just go about life as, as normal. Okay, They realized the importance of PPE, but they also want to be included in discussions about the nursing homes. How unmitigated a disaster has that been? Of the close, I think, I don't know if we've quite passed the 2,000 uh, death toll mark here in Minnesota. It's close. It's, I think it's about 1,900 total deaths from COVID-19. And what's the number? 75 to 80% have been in long-term care facilities because, like, wow, we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals, so let's uh, send some of these COVID-affected patients to, uh, to, to these long-term care facilities, which was insane because now it's past the point of no return, and you've had 75 to 80% death toll in there. And Republicans want to be included on this discussion on how to handle this, okay? Because we, you know, we use Florida as an example. Florida was ahead of the curve on this. They decided we're going to procure PPE, but you know where we're going to send it? We're going to send it, the majority of it, to our long-term care facilities so nobody gets it in there. And if they do, we get them out of there as soon as possible, and they're not allowed to return. And yet, you have places like New York and New Jersey who had this insane policy of, hey, let's put COVID-infected people in in long-term care facilities so we're not overwhelming the hospitals, and they had the exact opposite effect. So the point is is that this was the insinuation that they just didn't want to do anything around COVID and that there should be no limitations on restaurants. Well, no, what this involved was letting the business owners – just determine what was best for their business. Give us the information. Give us the recommendation from the Department of Health and from the CDC. Because I find that people, when they're given the recommendations and given the proper information of what this entails, they'll make the adjustments accordingly. But when you're handing down government mandates and shutting down businesses that people rely upon for their livelihood, yeah, that's going to be an issue. And they're going to want to open up and expand a little more. So this was completely disingenuous, but again, when when you're the sole subject of the story, you can throw out claims like this that Republicans just don't want to uh, do anything. You know, and we acknowledge that in-person schools, you know, the the kind of the hybrid learning, okay, yeah, there has to be a mitigating factor with that, no doubt about it, but there was no acknowledgement of the impact it has on kids that can't do in-person learning. And in some cases, it's even it's even worse. But yet, none of those discussions were being willing to entertain. That that's the only objection the Republicans had is this, you know they wanted to be included in some of these decisions because again, it's not a one size fits all for the state. The state is is, is very diversified economically and demographically, which is a good thing. I, I consider that a feature, not a bug. But the decisions you're making for more densely populated populated areas, like in urban areas, particularly the Twin Cities. Don't make sense for some place uh, for places well up north, you know, like like Thief River Falls or Osakis, where, wherever Brainerd, places like that. You know, they they just wanted to be consulted on it. So I, I think that was incredibly disingenuous of the governor. But again, uh, you can decide for yourself. Go to political dot com, uh, politico dot com, and do a search uh, for this uh, particular story on uh, Governor Tim Walls entitled. Uh, Minnesota's myth-making met stark reality. Where does Governor Tim Walls 
uh, go from here. Very revealing look into uh, Governor Walz's mindset. Uh, Definitely during some difficult times. Don't envy the governor on this, um, but I think some of the charges he threw out were uh, a little overzealous. I'll just put it that way. One final segment coming up. M1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson, The Closer, back in mere moments. Go nowhere. AM1280, The Patriot. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. I can't believe we have to make this commercial. It's ridiculous. You'll think it's ridiculous, too. Listen to this. This commercial is about, well, it's about parents being rude at high school athletic events. Ridiculous, right? It gets worse. Studies show more than 75% of new high school officials are quitting because of bad adult behavior. So now there's a shortage of refs here in Minnesota in almost all sports. No officials means no more games. Is that what you want for us? Come on, parents. It's time to grow up. Cheer for your team. Be proud of your children. But stop being so ridiculous. And don't make us run another commercial. Because we will. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Reminding you to always practice good sportsmanship. We're here with another satisfied JTR Roofing customer. What did your home need? We needed an exteriors update. We needed roofing, siding, um, entry doors, and our storm doors replaced. Why did you choose JTR Roofing? After meeting with their sales team and looking at the products that they we're offering, as well as the warranty, it was an easy choice to choose JTR. What did you think of the work JTR did? The job was completed in a timely manner. The crews were very professional, and the workmanship was outstanding. We didn't have any surprises along the way or on our final bill. JTR was very knowledgeable and made it very comfortable from start to finish. Our house looks great. We received multiple compliments from friends and family. I was 100% satisfied with the work from JTR. Go to JTRRoofingInc.com to set up your no-obligation consultation. That's JTRRoofingInc.com. Are you tired of overpaying for batteries for your car, truck, snowmobile, boat, four-wheeler, and more? Full Service Battery is the solution for you. At Full Service Battery, that's all they do. Their experts will consult with you on the best possible battery for your situation. And their everyday low pricing beats almost all store sales prices. Buying in bulk? Their inventory is stocked with almost any battery you could need. And at the lowest prices in town. Check them out today at FullServiceBattery.com. That's FullServiceBattery.com. Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store. Welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Final segment of the broadcast. Thank you as always for tuning in. I tell you, we've had some pretty good activity considering uh, Vikings are playing live. And we even had some tweets, tweet I read earlier, and had a few phone calls. And we do have another call on the line. Uh, Bob from Shoreview is calling in. Bob, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. 
Yeah, uh, I'm a retired Metro Transit bus driver, and I drive a school bus now. I mean, we're back to normal. I just drove a group of kids from a a Lutheran Academy down past Rochester. They stayed overnight at a camp down there. I mean, we're back to normal. But my question is, when we hear the figures about 180,000 people dying from coronavirus, why do we never hear the figures for a bad flu year, and I think it was 150,000 what I've heard. We never hear that for comparison, and that's the only way to get a gauge on how bad this year is. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, appreciate the uh, appreciate the call, Bob. Actually, the numbers I've been hearing, uh, you know, again, it's not the height of flu season, obviously, yet, but we've had a lot less uh, flu bugs this year. Uh, so far than we have previous years. And let's be honest, we're washing our hands. We're practicing more stringent hygiene than maybe we might have taken for granted before. So, yeah, I, I don't, as far as uh, flu numbers, I mean, you know, we're always told to get our get our flu shot. I was in the habit of doing it anyways because my mother-in-law lived with my wife and me for uh, 10 years, and she wasn't in the greatest of health. So we were always more cognizant of her uh, than anything, because you know, our mindset is, well, if we you know, get the flu, you know, we'll we'll get through it. But because it was my mother-in-law so with the health ailment she had, you know, a flu could likely kill her. So we had always been in the mindset of being cognizant of others, regardless of what the ailment was. You know, avian flu, SARS, MERS, now with COVID nineteen, what have you. But uh, from what I've been hearing thus far, the uh, this flu season. And I got you know I still got to get a flu shot yet. I'm going to obviously get that taken care of. I uh, got one last year. Uh, so even though uh, my mother in law you know passed away a couple of years ago, but still I just have been in the habit of getting a flu shot every year. Still got one last year, uh, even though she wasn't with us anymore, and 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 will continue to do so uh, for that very reason. So uh, you know, as I as I was saying before, you know, to dismiss this as a flu season, some people like to kind of say the numbers well, the percentage of people that COVID, that got COVID that actually died, you know, that it's about the equivalent of, say, a bad flu season. Well, okay, that's true from a percentage standpoint, but guess what? If you've got how many millions of positive COVID cases and 180,000 have died, okay, that's a small percentage of the millions of co- positive COVID cases, but it's because there's a lot more COVID cases, so what else is going to happen? A percentage of that is going to be a lot more COVID deaths. So I I get what people are saying as far as a percentage standpoint, but I think we're seeing that this strain of coronavirus is a lot more contagious. That's the challenge we're dealing with right now. And we, as we've gone along, we've learned more and more about it, particularly how it impacts our most vulnerable citizenry, particularly our elderly and a lot of those with underlying health conditions. That's who are most susceptible as far as possibly dying. But the problem is people are kind of cavalier about it. So, well, if I get it, I'll recover and I'll be fine. Well, again, there's studies that are showing there could be some long-term damage resulting, you know, whether it be lungs or heart or what have you. Again, still kind of in the infancy stage of its studies, but early indications are there could be some long-term ramifications from that. Isn't myocarditis one of those things that's been brought up lately? I know I, that was a big deal with, like, college football players. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. And that's where, you know, some what appear to be perfectly normal, healthy in adults 
you know, 20, 30 something's in great shape. There hasn't been a lot, but there's been a couple that have inexplicably, you know, passed away as a result. But again, it's this is way too long to develop, but I'd like to maybe talk about this sometime down the road because, you know, we're just going to be doing dealing with this COVID thing for a while. But we kept hearing about the obesity rate in the United States, about how more Americans than at any time in this history are obese. And some people look at it as a good thing. Well, you know, we were worried about worldwide famine and rampant famine three, four decades ago, and now we have, you know, we must be doing okay if now obesity is the worst issue. Well, we're now seeing how that could be an issue and how that could have a longer-term impact on your health, not just the obesity alone, but if you would get COVID and recover, that hampers your situation even worse. And in this day and age where we're all about positive body image, okay, how do we balance that? And again, this this I shouldn't have started this discussion because I could probably go another segment or two about this, but how do we balance that? You know, How do we balance the positive body image with something that is obviously unhealthy? I, I I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that, but that's something worth discussing. And again, I'm sure it'll come up in a later show because these are some of the things that we're still going to be dealing with down the line. Hopefully not too much longer, but probably dealing with uh, for a while. Anyways, folks, I've enjoyed it. Am twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, we will be back in the Patriot Bunker again next week at this time. Godspeed, my friends. Have yourselves a blessed week. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. George Floyd's death sparked national outrage and propelled the country to confront issues of race and justice like few times before in our history. But between partisan politics and protests, the question remains, are we tackling the issue of race in America honestly? Tough questions like this are here to stay and demand fair and truthful responses if we want to move toward a better collective future. That's why we're bringing national media host Larry Elder together with author and commentator Candace Owens for a -a one-of-a-kind virtual event called Unbiased, Unvarnished Truth Behind Race in America. Stream Unbiased live on September 17th as Larry and Candace share personal stories and present a straightforward account of the real issues of race in this country. Don't miss this important discussion in a pivotal season in our nation. For details and tickets, visit am1280thepatriot.com. Unbiased is brought to you by Roof to Deck Decoration, the Christmas lighting people.
Hey, here's a common question. What are you going to do with your life? What's next? For high school students, graduates, and working adults ready to learn new skills to start a new career or enhance their career, there's Salem Career Hub. Online at SalemCareerHub.com. Prepare for the next step in your education. Get connected with top-ranked online schools and leading skills-based short-term training programs like full-stack software development from the co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak, to online XR programs, teaching hands-on vocational courses for HVAC, welding, plumbing, facilities management, electricians, solar, and more, all at a special reduced Salem Career Hub price. Better your life through education. Our team of education professionals are available to help you Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Central Time. Just call 866-711-6275, 866-711-6275, or visit 24-7-SalemCareerHub.com. AM 1280 